0: Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens
1: welcome in ladies and gentlemen to this edition of money matters presented by frs financial group i am your host rick stevens and folks remember that this is your show if you've got those questions you'd like to have answered if there's a topic you would like to hear on a future episode of Money Matters, feel free to give me a call at 719-500-8700. You can also send me that email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com, or you can simply go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com, click that contact tab, send us that question, that topic, that message. We would love to hear from you. Well, folks, this week we are, as always, joined in studio by my lovely co-host Andrew Rogers. Andrew, you got to be feeling pretty good after last week's NFL. Yeah, yeah, feeling a little uh, uncomfortable. Uh I think would be uh the best word. Well, you're not Uh, used to that that kind of a record at this time of year. Yeah, this thing
2: called hope. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it.
1: Uh, Well, as a Cub (laughs) fan, I can. uh, I can give you what to do with it, because we've only ever had hope most of the last 120 years. There have been a couple years that were actually yeah. good, but for the most part, it's 120 years living on hope, and as a Bears fan, I have none of that, I was about so to say, I'm pulling on the Cub side of that. Can't, can't they
2: just ship some of it from Wrigley over to Soldier, or uh, wherever they end up putting that stadium in some... You know, suburb down the road. Send
1: that out to uh, to uh, Schaumburg or Arlington Heights or wherever they bought yeah. the racetrack. I think that would be all right. I'd be okay with that. Are we really sitting here with
0: Jaguars, Bears, and Lions fans? We are. We are, we, talking we are folks.
1: Talking about hope because that's crazy. <laughs> it is. Well, folks, the voice that you heard there with us in the studio this week as well, Dave Bruckeva from Bruckhouse Insurance. Dave... Welcome in although your team is actually staying on the other side of the pond this week right I guess they are that sounds right they're, they're home like, away from home got those back to back london games going yeah. on for uh, for our our boys in i can't call it blue cuz it's more like it's teal. teal yeah it's teal there. it is officially teal yeah. so but is Black, teal gold, is, is teal, teal green or blue it's, it's teal okay because I always, I always saw those colors on vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. They called them teal. Some of them were green. Some of them were blue. And I'm like, what is it? It's teal. I don't understand.
2: Yeah, I think that's the point.
1: So, you know, as a, as a, as a guy, I see in that uh, Crayola 16 colors, Microsoft original yeah. uh, uh, font colors in there. It's, you know, it's it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, navy, violet, black, white. That's about it. Okay. I can maybe get a, a gold-ish in there, throw a brown, you know. M- maybe some gray if you're lucky. Yes, if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky. Well, folks, uh, we are talking this week with Dave Brukeva from Bruckhouse Insurance. We're talking all things insurance this week. As always, I've got to issue that disclaimer that LPL Financial and FRS Financial do not endorse the guests that appear on Money Matters. Dave, we are happy that you are here, regardless of that endorsement or not, because insurance has a lot of moving parts. Is that the best way to put that? Yes, it does, depending
0: what you're insuring and where you're living and how you're using it.
1: (laughs) So, folks, we are going to talk about uh, all those different moving parts, and today we're actually going to... uh, Dave, I want to go from some very specific pieces out to kind of more the broad. Usually mm-hmm. we take the broad okay. to the specific, but I'm going to get specific today because uh, we we are on the front range this summer. We saw a pretty fair amount of hail damage. Uh, yeah, there, in fact, might even be some folks out there who still don't know whether or not they've got hail damage because nobody's come out to actually look at it and say, yes, you can do that yet. Because I'm going to guess some of those adjusters are probably a little bit behind, just like the contractors are waiting on all of their things to come in to be able to fix those roofs as well. Companies are, are busy. That's true. <laughs> uh, well, Dave, I want to uh, kind of jump in here on that uh, wind and hail sort of thing. Specifically, I'm kind of thinking about on the on the homeowner side first. I'll, I've got a couple questions on that vehicle owner mm-hmm. side for those folks that uh, – either have a garage with too much stuff in it so they can't park in there, or they just may not have a garage because I've had... Have you been to my house? I, I've I had th- both of those houses. <laughs> I have a three-car garage. Do you know how many cars we have in it? None. None. <laughs> I've None. got a three-car that has one parked in it. and But part of that's because only one fits. Not because of anything being too much stuff in there, but the garage and the, well, the house was built in 1994, and vehicles are longer and wider now, yeah. so they don't exactly fit in the well,
2: openings. it's not that much better on the newer houses. i got to say, <laughs> I mean, even no. even my bigger one, we can barely fit in to that newer house. But you also have a fleet. You're like
1: just one shy of those red and white plates. So uh, true, very you're true. You're just out of room. Yes, yeah, well, there's that too. I mean, I've got five vehicles for a three-car garage, so something's always going to be yeah. outside at my house. Uh, but Dave, on those, on those wind and hail claims... Right. Thinking in particular on the, uh, on the House side, one of those big things that folks need to understand about their policy, and, and that's some of those things that you guys at Bruckhouse will walk them through on their policies, is what they actually have in terms of how these things are getting fixed, if you will, and the cost that's going to be associated with that. And one of those pieces that I know folks out there have are that what is what is going to be covered on my roof, is it the ACV, the actual cash value, or is it the replacement cost? Because those are two very widely different sort of coverages, aren't they?
0: Yes, they are. Actual cash value versus replacement cost is a big difference. Replacement cost is what it sounds like, where what you had is replaced with something similar of like kind and quality. Actual cash value takes into account the depreciated uh, value of that item. So if you've got a 30-year roof and it's 10 years old, an actual cash value policy is going to pay you two-thirds of the value of the roof. Yeah, and Dave, another
2: thing that really I think caught a lot of people off guard either with this past summer and a lot of the claims that we've had. Or in the past, there seems to be a shift when it comes to those homeowners policies, especially when it comes to that deductible, the part that you pay along with the insurance. And a lot more people didn't realize that it was more of a percentage-based deductible Mm -hmm. versus what might be just a standard set monetary amount.
0: Yeah. We get a lot of phone calls about from folks who say, well, the insurance company never told me well, they did, but it came in that annual mailer that you either put in a file cabinet or you put in the round file and never looked at. But there was a notice in there that said, we are changing your deductible from 1000 or 2500 or even 5000 to a uh, percentage deductible. And a lot of our folks, we, we try to stay away from those percentage deductibles because a lot of folks don't understand how they work. They believe that it's a percentage of the claim, but it's not a percentage of the claim. It's a percentage of your dwelling coverage, which is the coverage A amount that's on your building. So if a, if you have a $500,000 home, it's a 1%, 2%, or even 3% we're seeing of that amount um, is your deductible.
1: Yeah, and and when you get to that, you know, the the average home value in El Paso County in that $500,000 range, if you end up with that 3% deductible on there, you're basically paying $15,000, which is the cost of replacing your own roof. Pretty much. At
0: 5%, you're definitely paying for the total roof value. And I know we're going to talk about commercial insurance coming up, but typically it's typical now that property coverage for
1: commercial is a 5% wind hail deductible. Wow. Wow. Now one of those one of those things that uh, you know, I was told when we first moved out here back in 2007 was that you know if you get a steel roof, you you can be really good and, and you're well taken care of, especially in some of those big hailstorms we have. But and, and I throw that out there with the but, from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong here, there are some policies, that are are looking at damage to a steel roof as cosmetic not so much functional and they have cosmetic exclusions that keep that steel roof from actually getting replaced yes in fact it's not
0: just some it is uh virtually all policies are going to have an exclusion for uh cosmetic damage due to hail and uh, you know on the one hand you might say well who cares it's on a roof it's 20 feet up there nobody's going to see it um, if that cosmetic damage turns into rust or additional damage then you could have an issue where you're going to want that coverage
1: yeah and that's uh, that's one of those things now i'm going to uh, go on the assumption you're not a big fan of getting up on your own roof correct uh, and and i know that i am not uh, either That's one of those times where you probably want to call that roofing contractor before you call the insurance company, right? Because they've got to open that claim for the insurance company. But call that roofing contractor to come Mm -hmm. out, take a look at at what's going on up there.
0: Yeah, especially if you're living on the front range, you could get several hailstorms in a year. And if you call in a claim on every single one of those, some carriers will count that as a claim, even if they don't pay anything out. And so you could have a frequency issue. Insurance companies look at claims history um, as a frequency issue as well as a severity issue. So you could have one claim for $100,000 and an insurance company is going to say, well, that's fine. We're going to give you a renewal. But if you have three zero payout claims, they may cancel you for frequency. So you have to watch that. It's always a good idea to call a, a trusted roofer. Not necessarily the person who just knocked on your door. Make sure that they have their own insurance, that they've got work comp in place, things like that before they get on your roof. And uh, get them let them up on your roof to take photos and give you a report
1: before you file a claim is a good idea. Yeah and, uh, and, and again, not just the guy that knocked on the door, but also getting that that reputable roofer who is local, Definitely. Because you don't want those folks who, you know, show up from whatever state just because we had a a recent storm getting up there, you know, for all sorts of different reasons, not the least of which is how do you even know if they're going to show back up? Right. Exactly. They
0: may even be a legitimate company, but then when it comes time for your roof to be done, they're in a different state. And so how do you get a hold of them? How do you set an appointment? How do you talk to them? All those kind
1: of things. So local is definitely better. Awesome. I want to uh, I want to kind of uh, keep it in that uh, hail sort of uh, side here, but kind of move it down to those cars uh, that, right. that may have been whether you were in a parking lot or you were like you know the majority of us in here uh, you've parked it outside because there's no room in the house uh, no room at the inn if you will for mm-hmm. the uh, the vehicle there. There are different uh, costs I guess I should say involved with hail damage. Uh, you know, some is very minor, and you're looking at it going, eh, no big deal. Some, it looks like you're driving a uh, a newly minted golf ball uh, right. with, with all of the dimples on there. There does come a time, though, when that amount of hail damage, if you've got that kind of coverage set up, that, that, that uh, insurance company is just going to consider that car totaled, right? Correct. Now, yeah, so hail damage on a vehicle...
0: Um, we get a lot of misnomers and even from claims adjusters because when we get those big hailstorms here, um, a lot of adjusters get called in from out of state. They're not familiar with Colorado laws, Colorado policies as much. And they'll tell our clients that because your vehicle's totaled from the hailstorm, now you have to get a salvage title. That's not true here in Colorado. You do not have to get a salvage title due to hail damage. Um, There are other issues where you would, but... Uh, but that's not one. So you can still keep your same coverage even with some carriers. However, if you don't get the hail damage repaired, if you're like me and the hail damage wasn't that severe and I'm not a real big car guy, so I'm fine driving around with a little bit of hail damage. I figure if I get it repaired, it's going to get re-damaged next week anyway. So <laughs> why why mess with it? Um, they're not going to pay a second time for the same damage. So they'll, they'll take off whatever was paid for that vehicle previously with, with the previous storm if there's an additional storm or an accident or uh, something of that
1: nature. Awesome. Now, there, there's also a little bit of a difference in Colorado when it comes to those deductibles associated with the roof versus the car. Um, I know that uh, several years ago, the legislation was passed to not allow roofers to rebate that deductible. Correct. But on the vehicle side, there's not been legislation as far as I know that keep those repair shops from rebating your deductible. Is that uh, that correct? Well, um, it is illegal for any company to
0: repay you for your deductible just flat out. Now, on a, with a roofing company, they can give you a marketing credit or they can pay you for marketing by putting a sign in your yard or getting so many referrals, those kind of things. That's totally separate from your deductible. If the amount happens to be the same as your deductible, that's, that's between you and the roofing company. Um, but they can't then turn in a supplement to the insurance company to
1: recoup that cost from the insurance company. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Because that was that was one of those things that uh, I, I may or may not have had a uh, – we'll call it an online discussion with somebody who is promo- promoting their business of we will rebate your – I'm like, you can't rebate that. Yeah, you better not um, use that term yeah, rebate. Yeah, there, there are particular words <laughs> unable to be used uh, when, when you're talking about that. I
2: love that. when Keyboard Warrior Rick comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's just about things Michael Jordan and uh, LeBron James related.
1: Uh, true, true. There's a lot of Michael and LeBron uh, related stuff that that may come out at times. Having you know been old enough to have watched them both play, yeah. Uh, my my favorite are the the ones that were you know the folks born in the '90s or the 2000s and really have only ever seen one of them play mm-hmm. and want to give him that crown that he so eloquently put they've, on himself. They've only seen sure. the best one play. <clears throat> No, they never saw they, Mike. Never saw Mike.
2: Well, I'm just trying to egg. I know. Well, I've, I've got a question, and kind of sticking with that, you know, kind of deductible thing. Earlier, yeah. we talked on that homeowner side about how a lot of people may have gotten the the light dinner table reading, where they said, "Oh, <laughs> you're going from a percentage to this," but there's other things that we should be renewing a little bit more, and especially. Here in Colorado Springs where we saw home values year over year really skyrocket. So when it comes to that and really just that baseline of how much coverage do I have for my home, what am I insuring, how often should we really be doing those checkups to make sure that, you know, in case of emergency, we're actually covered for what we really need to get back to whole.
0: Yes, That's a great question, especially in the current market we're in, because typically I would say, you know, look at your homeowner's policy at least every three years, make sure that you have a reconstruction cost estimate rerun for you at least every three years in our current market. I think you might want to do that every year um, because what we're seeing is between supply chain issues, the cost of labor and inflation. Um, i'm seeing even mid year when where we run those and the and it goes up 25%. And how much of it should we look at, you know, specifically
2: on the supply chain side, the contractors, the third parties and also maybe I don't want to say ignore but not try to take into account the the market value as well because we've seen just really everything mm-hmm. going on that upward trajectory.
0: Yeah, market value and tax assessed value are are not even a factor when it comes to insurance. The number you want to be concerned with is the reconstruction cost estimate Mm -hmm. and we being an independent agency we can run that we typically run it with at least three companies uh, because that gives us a nice average if they're all within 10 percent of each other then we feel pretty confident that we've got a decent number for you Um, but you may want to insure your home for more than our estimated reconstruction cost. Um, if if your home value is 750000 and our reconstruction cost estimates are all coming in at the $500,000 number and that's going to keep you up at night, um, you, you can increase that. Just know that you're not going to get more than it takes to actually repair or rebuild your home.
2: So you can't just make it like a a secret kitty and hope for a disaster and get X amount more just uh, on a lucky whim.
0: You can't over-insure your home by a million dollars and then when it burns down, you're a millionaire and- move on to another you know state. i think
2: they've got a word for that i think yes. it might rhyme with insurance fraud
0: yes uh, very insurance close fraud at least it would be called betterment yeah
2: <laughs> in in even looking at you know those replacement costs there's other costs i know that go into especially that homeowner side of thing because when it rains it pours with those uh homeowners claims that there's also coverages for What's inside the home as well? And yep. how should we really be calculating that? Or maybe even how often should we be reevaluating that, knowing that everything due to inflation has gotten so much more expensive?
0: That's a great question, too. Uh, most homeowners' policies, the standard HO3 policy gives you 50% of your dwelling co- uh, coverage for contents. So, in other words, if you've got a $500,000 home uh, with that coverage, your contents are going to be covered at 250000 Some will give a higher percentage than that, but 50% is the base. If that's not enough for you, you can always increase that. And then for certain items like jewelry, collectibles, things like that, you may want to schedule those items to, to get specific coverage and a lower deductible on those particular items.
1: And that, uh, that, that kind of leads me into a, a discussion I know we have had uh, a couple of times, and I, I I've loved the answer that I've gotten when I when I asked the first part of the question, which is how does a person know if they have something of enough value to have that insured separately it depends <laughs> there it is <laughs> um, you
0: should talk to your agent about what that item is it may you know if it's a high value piece of uh, electronic equipment there's no Um, specific limit on electronics. So you could have a $100,000 piece of equipment and it's going to be covered just like any other piece of personal property. But if you have a piece of artwork that's valued at $25,000, that limit might be $5,000 per item. It might be $2,500 per item, depending on the insurance company you're with. So you
1: definitely want to have a conversation with your agent. So a guy that say has a few baseball cards uh, that over the years have increased in value, mm-hmm. it, it might not be a bad discussion to that have. That would be a good discussion to have, and how do you arrive at the value
0: of those things? Because your insurance policy is going to pay the value of the card. What did you pay for it? Right, ten cents. So, well, you know, what? back
1: in the day, it was like a buck a pack and you got 24 <laughs> cards in that pack.
0: Yeah. So And so those cards are probably worth a little bit more than that. You're going to want to get them appraised. You're going to want to have them evaluated by a professional and then purchase the insurance that's appropriate for it. And when it comes to that homeowner's
2: insurance, are there any things that might be excluded or things that you can maybe elect to have excluded knowing that it could really mess up that overall bottom
0: line? There are exclusions, but most homeowners' policies are actually um, what's known as open perils policies. In other words, if it's not excluded, it's covered. So the things that are excluded are earthquake, flood damage, um, which is another conversation we could have. (laughs) Uh, Earthquake, not so much here in Colorado, but flood definitely. Um, Those things are specifically excluded from your policy, so you'd have to add coverage on for those to be covered. And some of those, you know, like flood that we again
2: could have that whole conversation. If you are buying in a certain area that is also mandated, unless you're just making an outright cash policy, but Mm -hmm. that might even be required to get your rest of your homeowner's insurance if you're in a certain area.
0: Correct. Um, Yeah, since flood is excluded, your homeowner's insurance policy doesn't care if you're in a flood zone, but your mortgage company does. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that would require you to carry flood insurance. Um, You can go to the Pikes Peak Regional Building Department and look up the flood zones and everything to find out if you're shopping for a home in an area that you suspect might be in a flood zone, just to kind of be preemptive. And I would recommend
1: doing that. Yeah, that was uh, you know one of the houses that that we had the the previous house that was in town. Technically, the flood zone came into the yard, but because the house was you know fifteen twenty feet above where where the mm-hmm. uh, the the zone was, that wasn't a big issue. Although there was some question because I had a barn that was in the floodplain in that hundred year flood zone. Yeah, um, but we we chanced it. And, uh, you know, 10 years in the house and nothing ever got up high enough to get anywhere close. So, somebody else has got those other 90 years on on their side. Right. In those situations, you can get what's called an elevation certificate
0: that shows that the elevation of the actual structure is not in the flood
1: zone. Yep. Yep. Very good there. Well, folks, we are up against that first break in today's show. When we come back... We will continue talking with Dave Brukeva at Bruckhouse Insurance about all those
3: fun insurance pieces. So stick around. We will be right back. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719 500 8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break. Rick Stevens here with
1: Andrew Rogers on FRS Financial's Money Matters, right here on KRDO Radio. We are talking with Dave Brackeva, Bruckhouse Insurance. And and Dave, we we were focused a little bit in that last segment on the homeowner's side. But as we know, housing prices are not low, especially along the front range and in El Paso County. So there are a lot of renters out there, folks Mm -hmm. who are renting, whether it's a house, townhouse, condo, apartment, whatever, what are some of those things that they need to keep in mind about their own renter policy? Like, a, why is it good to have it? And then, what are some of those pieces that that they kind of need to keep in mind when when looking for a rental policy that's actually going to cover what they need it to cover? Uh,
0: yes. So, if you're a renter, you can often add a renter's policy with the same company that you've got your auto insurance with, and it with the discount. It's next to nothing, Um, depending on how much coverage you need for your specific situation. Of course, Um, I prefer that option as opposed to purchasing the insurance. That's a group plan that a apartment complex might say, here, just pay $9 a month more on your uh, rent and we'll just cover your insurance. Typically those policies cover something like $10,000 worth of personal Mm. property. And I challenge anybody who's renting more than a very small studio to go around and start adding up all of your personal property um, and see if you can keep it under $10,000. That's pretty rare. Um, And also, they would only cover typically about $100,000 for um, liability coverage. And I like to see at least $300,000. And really, you're talking about about $8 a year to increase that. But you can't do it with the apartment complex's policy. You need to get your own.
2: Well, and it comes back to, you know, if again, if it's through the apartment complex, obviously they might have something a little bit more to benefit going through that plan or with, you know, whatever coverages, or maybe they get some sweetheart deal, then really taking care and insuring your items and making sure that you're protected as
0: well. Yeah, their primary goal is protecting the apartment complex, mm-hmm. their liability, making sure that you're they don't want to mess with getting a certificate of insurance from your insurance company. They just want to know it's all taken care of. Yeah. So I'm sure it's easy for them, but uh, but it's not hard to send a certificate of insurance over to you that you can satisfy their requirements. Yeah, and
2: then, you know, with that, that condo policy as well, I know a lot of people may not be aware of what is and isn't covered. And obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but when mm-hmm. it comes to that condo or townhouse insurance, it's really everything from the drywall in is considered yours that you need to insure just like you would homeowners rather than whatever the association's common policy may be.
0: Yes. And it's a good idea to get your insurance, your um, condo policy in hand that you can look through or at least have your agent look at, Uh, because depending how they're written back in the day, I know there were condo policies that actually covered some personal property Mm. even inside. That's pretty rare. Um, In fact, I haven't seen one of those in the last at least decade, Um, but you could have one of those, in which case you can adjust or modify your own condo policy to account for that and not pay as much.
2: Yeah, and another thing to look into and to have ready would be, you know, those covenants or governing documents because a lot of the condos, townhomes, things like that, usually under some kind of HOA or community, Mm -hmm. and then you can also know what, you know, you would be liable for as well because there's, you know, things like special assessments that have some special liabilities for either condos or HOA residents that's not that much in the grand scheme of things when it comes to insurance.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's good to know if you've got, if you're in an HOA and there's common areas, even if there's not structures, you may have some liability exposure there for those common areas. Um, And, of course, if there are buildings, uh, you could have a responsibility to pay for those and be under an assessment.
2: Yeah, and it's better to, you know, have that, have, you know, your deductible through there instead of all of a sudden, you know, the the head Karen of the Karen Council going to order (laughs) saying, hey, Mm -hmm. we got a special assessment. You owe us X amount because
0: the pool's got a crack. Yeah. And now if it's just a repair. Um, it's good to know what those is, what the maximum that they can assess you for Mm -hmm. your insurance is only going to cover you for loss assessment. That means there has to be an insurance claim made on that master policy for whatever the damage is. And then they assess you the deductible or a portion of the deductible, um, along with all of your, um, uh. HOA mates.
2: Yeah. So like a you know, giant townhome community, you know, hail claim comes through and you have mm-hmm. to repair, you know, an entire complex full of roofs. Right. Then that's where it falls under those kind of covers. Yeah, and we
0: sort of talked about that. They're probably their deductible is probably five percent. So that means the entire cost of the roof is going to be assessed down to each of the unit owners. Mm-hmm. So if you've got eight unit owners, you split the cost of that roof eight ways and you need to make sure you've got loss assessment coverage equal to that. Okay.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's where that fun math gets to again right. come in because if you're in that complex and it's got 8, 10, 12 units in there, I am mean, that that could be a theoretically a multi-million dollar yeah. complex and, you know, even that 5% deductible on that million dollar complex is still a boatload of money assessed over only eight people. Right. Yeah, we uh, used to see loss
0: assessment coverage of about $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, the largest loss assessment claim we've had is closer to 20. And we're seeing um, people sending us documentation from their HOAs that say, you need to have make sure you've got at least 50000 in loss assessment coverage. So you definitely want to pay attention to those things. Pay attention to your HOA's annual meetings. Um, They're not, most of them I don't think are out to mess with you or anything, but it may be the only insurance they can get on their building has that 5% deductible. And if they don't have enough in the kitty, to account for that, then they're going to have to assess all of the unit
2: owners. And is that something as well, too, that maybe even homeowners could look at, you know, if they don't have those shared walls, but maybe some kind of special or loss assessment, knowing that you might be in either an HOA or large enough where they decided to rebrand it Metro District to just (laughs) get confusing. But knowing that there's, you know, shared buildings, pools, a lot more kind of liability, is that something even homeowners could really look into and take advantage of?
0: Yeah, if you're in an HOA, you you want to make sure that you're either not responsible for any structures uh, or the repair of those structures, or that you've got loss assessment yeah. that's equal to the maximum that they could assess you for.
1: All right, no, awesome. Now I want to uh, kind of uh, broaden this a little bit, uh, pun intended here, and talk about that that world of the umbrella. Oh. Policy. You, you like right. the, you like that segue right? Yeah, into that. And,
2: and Dave, I gotta admit too. I'm yeah. I'm the son of an insurance agent. Uh-huh. I still don't understand what an umbrella policy <laughs> is. So let's just start with the very sure. basics. What is an umbrella
0: policy? An umbrella policy is a liability policy that covers over whatever you put under the umbrella. Okay. So on a personal umbrella policy, you can put anything that you personally insure, like your home a rental property perhaps, you could put a renter's policy under an umbrella, all of your vehicles, your toys, boats, things like that can all go under an umbrella policy. And what that does is if you've got $250,000 in liability coverage on your auto policy, that's going to pay out. But if somebody's suing you for a million, where's the other $750,000 going to come from? Well, that's where an umbrella policy would kick in with another million dollars in coverage. And you can get umbrella policies. They come in packages of millions, starting at a million in coverage. You can go up to, uh, I suppose, you could get a fifty million dollar, hundred million dollar umbrella if you um, are in need of such a
1: thing. You know, one of those uh, one of those cases actually that that came up over the summer, and I think we're still in that process, was an NFL player mm-hmm. out on a lake enjoying uh, lake time. Got run into by somebody on a jet ski or something, a personal watercraft or whatever, mm-hmm. tore up the ACL. He cannot play. And yes. now he's turning around to sue that gentleman who actually hit him while he was in the lake. Yeah. So that's that's exactly the kind of thing that that, that umbrella policy would help to exactly. Take care of. Hopefully the jet ski itself was insured. And if it was under an
0: umbrella policy, then that would help as well. So Dave, what,
2: what would be maybe the kind of the conversation you would have with an agent to kind of determine, do you have enough or that you know, it might be time to look into that umbrella insurance. Is there kind of a rule of thumb to say like, Hey, this might, you know, X, Y, Z could trigger at least that conversation.
0: Yes. Um, if you own rental properties, you should have an umbrella. If you own a business, you should have an umbrella. If, uh, if you've got a dog, you probably want to consider an umbrella policy. Um, now, if it's a real small dog, probably can't bite somebody and cause too much damage. But suppose your dog bites somebody on the face and maybe they're an actress or an actor mm-hmm. and now they can't earn a living. That could hit an umbrella policy. So, um, So those kind of additional exposures, a little bit out of the ordinary mm-hmm. from the typical a uh, person who might just have a home and an auto and be an employee somewhere, um, you definitely want to consider an umbrella. But that doesn't mean that you you might be a higher net worth uh, person and you might have additional assets that you need Protection for and an umbrella policy is a great way to go.
2: Well, and with those those higher nets, and obviously this isn't you know for a, a lot, but you know let's talk for maybe the ricks of the world or or the, our producer T J the world a
1: net worth of like fifty bucks is like, that what we're going for? Where where would
2: that line be between you know having this or even just saying you know the whole dream of self insure? Because I know that there's mm-hmm. you know a lot of people that also realize hey, there's enough
0: in the bank that if something happens, I got it. Sure. But do you really want to use what you've got in the bank to pay for that kind of a thing? Or do you want to offload
1: that risk onto an insurance company okay. for a small premium? Yep. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's oftentimes it's that same sort of thing, the, uh, that idea of that self-insurance. Oftentimes, I think, uh, folks, we, we try to get there from the income side of life, right? If we mm-hmm. pass, we've got that life insurance until we've built up enough assets that would take care of everything but there are those folks that think about that self-insurance from the property and casualty side, and I will I will wholeheartedly agree with you, Dave. Not a good idea. Unload that risk sure. for a fairly small premium over the course of time. Yeah, um, you can you can self-insure um, on your
0: auto insurance. You don't have to carry liability insurance if you put fifty thousand dollars into a secure account, and that's on file with the state of Colorado. They give you a certificate or a form. And now that's your self insurance, but I think you could probably put that with a financial advisor and make more than your two two percent that you might make in a savings account.
1: Which which is great right now because two years ago it was two tenths of a percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in there, that, that walks us, Dave, into that auto question, and uh, we'll 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 touch on the auto stuff before we run into the uh, the, the break here shortly. But I wanna I wanna ask the question right? Because this is the one that, you know, you, you see it everywhere. Everybody talks about this, the full coverage discussion. Sure. There's no such thing as full coverage, is there, Dave? No, it's not a
0: insurance term. And even some insurance agents don't like to say the word comprehensive, although that is an insurance word, uh, because comprehensive tends to give the impression that everything is covered. And that's just not true. There are, there are certain, some things that aren't going to be covered even with comprehensive. But um, yeah, full coverage typically means that you've got comprehensive and collision coverage. The difference between those two is if your hands are on the wheel, it's probably a collision. If your hands aren't on the wheel, it's probably comprehensive.
1: So the the idea that uh, the car is sitting in my driveway and we get a storm and a limb falls on my car, that's not collision, even though the tree collided with my car. Correct. Okay. And would one of those caveats then
2: be be, be that that weather discussion going going back to... Hail, you may be driving, but uh, you're caught mm-hmm. in the middle of a hailstorm. Uh, that I believe would come under the comprehensive That'd side be rather comprehensive. than comprehensive.
0: Correct. That's why I said if your hands are on the wheel, it's probably. <laughs> All right. There's a <laughs> probably the <laughs> cause. Uh, same by the same token, if you hit a deer, that's typically covered under comprehensive as well. I'll, although I bet
2: the deer probably thinks that was a full on collision. Exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. willing
1: to bet. I'm willing to bet on there. Well, we're going to uh, run up into the, uh, the final break in the show. When we come back, I'm going to kind of meld the worlds of auto insurance and business as well, right? Talk a little okay. bit about those folks who have the, the gig economy driving jobs mm-hmm. uh, in there. And then we'll also get into those commercial coverages for those particular business owners. So everybody stick around. We will be right back.
3: Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking with
1: us through that break. Rick Stevens here with Andrew Rogers on Money Matters right here on KRDO Radio, talking with Dave Bruckeva of Bruckhouse Insurance. And as we were coming into the break, Dave, I I teased a little bit on that melding of the auto and commercial side Mm -hmm. of life. Yes. Because we know we have a, a fairly robust gig economy yes we do right lots of folks out there driving for things like uber and lyft and doordash and grubhub and and folks even renting out their personal cars on turo these days Yep. Yep. how do those two pieces work together your your own personal auto versus driving for that gig how does all of that work in the event you're in an accident? You're going to love the answer to this. It depends. Oh, that's uh, two. That's two for Evan today. It depends on the company <laughs> that you're
0: doing that for, and it depends on the company you're insured with and whether you have added an additional coverage. Um, so for things like Uber and Lyft, where you're transporting other people, um, think of there's four uh, There's four. Um, coverage situations. First situation is you don't have the app turned on. You're just driving for personal. Well, your personal insurance covers you and you're fine. Mm -hmm. Second situation, you turn on the app and you're sitting there or you're driving around waiting for a ride. Now your personal insurance has turned off, but that Uber, that Lyft policy may or may not have turned on or may not have turned on completely. So you need to be aware of what that coverage is there. Now there is an additional coverage you can add to most auto insurance policies to cover that situation. So I definitely recommend having a conversation with your insurance company and adding that coverage. The third situation is you've accepted a ride but you haven't put them in the car yet. You're on your way to get them. Now the uh, that Uber, that Lyft policy is fully engaged And then, of course, when they get in the car and you're driving them around, um, now you've got their full million-dollar liability, whatever it is. Pay attention, though, to what their deductible is. A lot of times people want a lower deductible on their vehicle because they can only afford a $500 deductible if they are in an accident. But that Uber, that Lyft policy may have a $1,500 deductible. You don't want that to be surprising you if something does happen.
2: Well, and then your personal insurance wouldn't cover that gap then. Either. Correct. Correct.
1: Yeah, that's uh, uh, all kinds of different pieces, right, out there with that. And, mm-hmm. and and it also kind of transitions even into that world as the business owner if you're using your personal vehicle for business purposes as well, right? There are certain things that are covered and certain things that won't be covered. In sure, that. sure. If you're using your
0: personal vehicle for business purposes, um, now it depends what you're doing. If you're, if I'm driving, like when I left my office and I came here to do this show, um, I'm driving my personal vehicle, but I'm on business time. So what happens if I get in an accident on the way here? My personal insurance policy is going to cover me, but... A enterprising attorney might say, well, you were actually working for Bruckhaus on your way there. So we're going to sue Brockhouse as well. There's a coverage called hired and non-owned auto that I can add to my business policy that covers my business for when myself or an employee
1: is driving in that kind of a situation. So for a guy who puts a, a few thousand miles on a vehicle, driving to see clients over the course of a year Mm -hmm. not a bad idea yes awesome what uh what other sort of business or commercial coverages are out there that folks either need to check a do i have it on my commercial policy or b what did i not get that i really ought to have sure yeah it's it, it there too. It depends on what you're using
0: that vehicle for and how much is it involved in your business. If you're just hauling tools and equipment from home to a work site and then you're working all day, um, most insurance companies are going to look at that the same as they do a commuter mm-hmm. to and from work. Uh, so not a big deal there. But is there coverage for the tools that are in your vehicle? Those aren't covered on your vehicle policy. They might be covered on your homeowner's policy to some limited extent, but you might need a inland marine or a tools policy, something like that for, for that business uh, for that situation. Now increase that. What if you put signage on your vehicle and you title that vehicle into the business? Now you probably need a commercial vehicle policy. And in order to get on the work site, you're probably gonna to have to show a certificate of insurance showing that commercial vehicle policy
1: now I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little obscure here but I have seen these the license plates that are personalized with the business name is that signage for the business or is that not signage for the business? I have
0: not seen um, anybody consider that to be signage really and to that the next level up from that would be, putting the decals on your back window for um, some kind of Etsy business or Mm -hmm. candle sales or those kind of things. Um, You're not titling the vehicle into that business. Everybody understands you're probably just driving around town trying to make people aware of who you are and likely they're not going to sue that business as well as you personally. but. You might want to have a
1: conversation. <laughs> awesome. Now when it when it comes to the actual business side of, of what we do and those commercial coverages that are out there, I know there are all sorts of different things that as business owners we may want to cover. What are some of those coverages that that we really need to be thinking about depending on the kind of business that we've got? The big one that
0: everybody needs every business needs general liability. Insurance, so that's going to be the same across the board. The other big one that you need to consider is data breach coverage. Mm. If you have any kind of client data that you are handling, you it, swiping credit cards, even. Um, I know some of those uh, companies, Square and and those kind of things, um, they provide some coverage for that. But um, you need to pay attention if you're holding any of that information on your system for any length of time, you need to make sure you've got some data breach coverage. A data breach policy might also cover things like ransom. So Mm. you get, if you're dependent on your computer to do your job and the hacker uh, locks you out and says, send me X amount of Bitcoin
1: and I'll give you the code. um, What are you going to do? Right. Right. There, there may or may not have been a few uh, uh, municipalities that mm-hmm. have fallen.
0: Yeah, municipalities. And we all think of companies like Target or Home Depot when they get hacked and all of that credit card data is stolen. Um,
1: but it's not just the big
0: companies. It's,
1: yeah, I have. It's every company. Uh, I've, I've actually gotten in the last two months uh, letters from three different places uh, where my my data may have been accessed, which is what they always say. And here's mm-hmm. our free 12 months or 18 months or 24 months or whatever of yeah. that uh, coverage uh, for, the, uh, uh, for, for somebody to not steal my identity, yeah. uh, basically. In and it,
0: it's free to you. It's not free to them. Right. That business had to pay for that. And so flip that around. If you're the business owner and you have to pay for that for all of your clients, um, I, I don't know what that costs every month. Eight to twelve
1: bucks, I think, per client. Uh, that can
0: get pretty pricey.
1: Yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Now, now, one of those other pieces on that commercial side um, are, you know, if we've got our, our desks, our equipment that's maybe inside of an office somewhere, uh, we we need to make sure that we've got coverage on that sort of thing in case the whole building goes up in smoke. Sure. Yep. And, and that's one of those things, you know, you, you think, oh, it'll never happen. Well, Christmas last year, our building, because it got so cold, had a pipe burst mm. that basically wiped out the entire west side of our building because that's wow. where the pipe burst. And there was, uh, I think, like six or eight inches of water mm-hmm. on the floor, all the way down to the first floor, the pipe burst on the fourth. Wow. Um, so yeah. those those are those things where, okay. We might need some help yeah. <laughs> taking and that, care of this sort that of thing. That building
0: policy is going to cover the building damage, but all of those
1: tenants better have coverage for their stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you can also, as we were kind of talking a little bit earlier there, get that umbrella liability not just on the personal side, but also on that business side. Mm-hmm. And one of those good reasons is, hey, now this may or may not happen to uh, somebody I know when he was five years old. hmm but was sitting in a waiting room somewhere, leaned over to pick up a Highlights magazine and may or may not have hit his head on the corner of the end table that was there that caused a fairly sizable gash that... Had to be fixed, but it was nice because we were in the doctor's office and they were able to do that. But if you're not a doctor's office, um, that's the kind of thing that that general liability is going to cover. Right?
0: Yep. General liability would cover that. And if it's a severe enough injury, an umbrella policy might be required.
1: Awesome. Well,
2: Dave, I got one other question, kind of
0: shifting gears a little bit, but knowing that we're
2: kind of towards the end and we've got the holiday season coming up. A lot of people may be out traveling, getting those rental cars, and there's always, Mm -hmm. it seems like more of a sales pitch about getting their coverage. And let's real quick, just touch on, you know, what your personal auto might cover versus needing that rental coverage. What would we need to know as we get closer to the holiday season?
0: Well, since I just went out of town this last weekend and rented a car, I can tell you what I did. Okay. Um, this may or may not fit your particular circumstance, but your personal auto policy, if you're renting it under your personal name, mm-hmm. your personal auto policy will extend coverage, the same coverage that you have. So if you've got only liability on your vehicle, personal vehicles, mm-hmm. you need to purchase their policy because you don't have comprehensive and collision coverage physical damage for, their, for that rental vehicle. So you've gotta have at least a vehicle with comprehensive and collision that will carry over to the rental car with the same deductible that you have on your personal policy. Okay. The downside of that is that typically your personal auto policy is not going to cover what's called loss of use or business income to that business. So if their vehicle ends up in the shop for two weeks, they can charge you the fair rental value of that vehicle for that two week period. Your personal policy may not cover that. And that, that means you're out of pocket, however many hundreds of dollars that that might be. So getting that policy through the rental company may be a value to you. Now, me personally, I rolled the dice on that. I figured I'm going to be there for a few days. We're driving the vehicle for about an hour total. And um, I was I was okay with that risk being on me personally and my insurance company. Um, But I did do the math and to add their physical damage coverage about doubled the cost of the rental. So you have to factor that in if you're renting a car for a few weeks. um, Is are you willing to pay double Mm -hmm. what you would pay when you've already got the coverage on your personal policy? Um, you, so every, every individual is going to have to weigh that for themselves. So just because
2: you're not in, you know, the car that's listed under your policy, you know, like, so in my case, just because it wouldn't say Jeep, it's still going to cover like I was driving
0: my own car. Correct. Because of that rental agreement. Now, Mm -hmm. if you're in a friend's vehicle, typically your friend's policy is going to be the primary uh, coverage there. Um, your liability may kick in if you are actually at fault. Um, but if your friend only has liability coverage and their vehicle gets damaged, there's probably not going to be coverage for it. Unless you're at fault, then your liability may cover some of that. Okay. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, Dave, if, if folks have questions about maybe their own, whether it's commercial policy, auto, home, rental, condo, whatever. How do they get in touch with you guys to to sit down to maybe take a look? Hey, is my policy right? Um, you know, Is there is there something that I need to be looking at differently? Maybe it's time to shop my policy. How do they give you guys at Brookhouse a call?
0: They can call us at 719-258-8071. And everybody that answers the phone there is licensed and all of our team members are ready to talk to you.
1: Awesome. Now before before we actually close up, is there anything else that you say we should have covered this today? I gotta tell you about this piece because we've got a couple of couple sure. of minutes
0: left right here. You know, I we should probably talk a little bit about drones because they're getting more and more mm-hmm. popular. And so we do get this question from time to time and sometimes folks have a drone that's just for their personal use, but then maybe their neighbor says, Hey, I'll pay you if you fly it over here and take pictures of this, that, the other thing. If it's just for your personal use, your homeowners policy is probably going to cover you for that. There's no exclusion carve out that I've seen um, where it would uh, exclude that. But if it's being used for business purposes, in other words, if you take some income for it, you probably want to make sure you've got unmanned vehicle coverage for that drone.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that's also one of those things where if you're getting high enough up with your drone to do those pictures, you've got to Correct. you've got a license through the FAA and everything. Correct. You you need to make sure you understand the laws of all of that, especially
0: if you've got a drone that can go that high.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, that is all the time that we have this week on Money Matters. If you have those questions, you you're, you're wondering, hey, do I have the right insurance? And maybe I'm thinking, you know, I haven't changed policies or haven't uh, re-looked at a policy and and what I'm paying in my premiums for five, six, seven years. Dave, what's the number they need to call? 719-258-8071. Or you can
0: go to Bruckhouse.com. B-R-U-K-H-O-U-S-E.
1: And it's Bruckhouse because Bruckheva.com. It's hard to say hard to spell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Well, folks, the the, the folks out there at Bruckhouse, they are independent agents, which means they are not beholden to a single company. They've got multiple companies that they represent that they can actually go through and shop for you. Always good to be able to, if you need to, change your, your insurer, but keep your agent because the agent is the one you have the relationship with so give those folks over at brook house a call that ladies and gentlemen is all the time we've got for this week on money matters next week we're gonna have some more fun we will i promise be back we'll be talking about your money because your money matters thanks for tuning in everybody